today on the Tearsheet Podcast. And on the drive revenue side of things, you can see where Synchrony could commercially partner with these, actually become, you know, they would become vendors to Synchrony. And it's that relationship that can actually help improve their products and capabilities in market with a company that would have the scale of, of Synchrony, right? We have 300,000 plus partners and merchants. We've got over 70 million consumers. Um, and that can drive a win-win situation where we're bringing new products and capabilities to our markets. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Today on the show, we have Trish Moscone, Chief Strategy Officer at Synchrony. In addition to strategy, she also heads up the firm's venture investing and M&A activities. We discuss her mandate and how Synchrony looks at investing and partnering with fintech as it continues to invest in its consumer finance platform. I appreciate how Trish and the bank have paired strategy to both investing for the long-term and partnering for the present. The deterioration of the investment environment around fintechs can also definitely play into Synchrony's plans. Trish Moscone is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Trish Moscone. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Synchrony. Um, and what that means is I have strategy for the overarching enterprise. I also have Synchrony Ventures as part of my team. Uh, I lead our M&A activity under our corp dev, and I also lead our strategic partnership relationships at Synchrony. Awesome. And, and welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'd love to drill down a little bit on Synchrony Ventures. Can you talk about what that is and what its mandate is? Yes, definitely. So Synchrony Ventures uh, started for us in 2016. Um, and for us, it's a way to really understand what's going on in the fintech community, right? We use it to actually uh, discover a lot of what um, is going on. And we think of it as our way to investigate opportunities across three horizons. So we look at things that can be immediately beneficial to us that we can actually take to our partners and our consumers. We look at things that are in adjacencies or areas that we're interested in and we really want to kind of test and learn. Um, and lastly, we use it um, very much to understand what's disruptive, what's coming around that corner. Um, and we do all three of those with a view towards how can we be uh, uh, more focused on diversity and inclusion. Um, so we have a real thrust around our investments on supporting the black and brown and female communities of entrepreneurs and early investors. And I really find, and I know I mentioned this to you when we met at, at Money 2020, that tying together the chief strategy role um, with, with the ventures role, like it's somewhat unique, at least that I've seen in the industry. Can you talk about sort of how, how Synchrony marries those two functions? Yes. And it's interesting, Zach, because you are seeing it more and more as I talk to my peers and chief strategy officers um, irrespective of um, the industry vertical they're in. Um, and so how we think about it is we set the strategy at the top, right? And we look at, you know, our overall long-term growth potential and how we're thinking about achieving that. And then the focus from there is how do you think about building out various capabilities? How do we think about buying certain capabilities? And how do we think about investing and partnering in those capabilities? And ventures really takes the form in the investing in the partnerships. And so it's a very holistic way to actually ensure that we're achieving our long-term growth strategy. Um, and it provides us actually a bit of a feeding ground for potential buy situations, right? So we have invested in companies and partnered with them commercially 
that then become part of the same running family as they mature along their life cycle. That makes a lot of sense. I know if we were having this conversation maybe six months ago, or a year ago, for sure, um, you know, the, 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 the vibe in the industry would be very different. I'd love to hear sort of what you're seeing, like where we are in terms of M&A and, and the state of VC portfolios in general. Yeah, it's definitely changing. Um, and I think it continues to change. Like I was reading articles this morning, right, on just the continual change in the market, right? And so what's going on in the M&A side, right, is, is very much with the decrease in valuations, you're seeing a decrease in M&A activity, particularly over the course of 2022, right? To, you know, it was 130 billion in exits uh, in 2021. We're down to about 85 in the same kind of quarter to quarter um, comparisons for 2022. Um, early stage investing, though, from a venture standpoint, is actually still strong. Mm -hmm. What that means is you're seeing there's not the typical exit that a later stage fintech would get at the five to seven to eight year mark. Um, And as a result, that whole dynamic is changing, right? So with the lack of exits due to the higher valuations, you still got a reasonable bid-ask spread, which I think is starting to come together more and more. And you're even seeing some of the later stage fintechs revalue themselves. But with the with the valuations decreasing, there's less IPOs. So you've got less exits. There's less willingness to raise capital publicly because that will cause a revaluation. Right. So the investments or the, the growth can only come from two areas. It's either strategic investors not creating a new valuation, or it's increasing the revenues, which is leading to a whole set of new opportunities for St. Bernie that we wouldn't have seen one or two years ago. Um, And those opportunities are really around partnerships with late stage fintechs. So fintechs that are very much evolved, right, in their market capabilities, in their products, and an ability to now to form partnerships in ways that you didn't see happening previously because they would have been very focused on their exit. So, so that second, that second bucket, I guess you said increased revenues, you mean really help the company organically to, to, to stay, to get on its own feet. So it's not dependent upon outside capital as much. That, that's right. what you're referring and to. People are, you're seeing a great movement to profitability mm-hmm. right? or the talk of profitability, which was never the expectation typically in the fintech community, right? It was growth over profitability. And now you're seeing profitability over growth. And so from a profitability standpoint, they're gonna need to drive revenue, right? As well as get their costs under control. And on the drive revenue side of things, you can see where Synchrony could commercially partner with these, actually become, you know, they would become vendors to Synchrony. And it's that relationship that can actually help improve their products and capabilities in market with a company that would have the scale of, of synchrony, right? We have 300,000 plus partners and merchants. We've got over 70 million consumers. Um, and that can drive a win-win situation where we're bringing new products and capabilities to our markets. Um, and we're actually testing those capabilities that the fintechs are bringing to market to really understand what's going to stick and what's not. So, so I, I, that, I find that really interesting. How, how frequent or how common is that for um, a portfolio company uh, of, of Synchronies to become a vendor uh, to you guys? So of our 14 active investments today, 14 uh, of the 14, half, 50% are actually commercial relationships. 
And that's predominantly in that horizon one grouping, right? And so if we've got um, an opportunity that's very viable today for either our merchants or our consumers, um, you can see that we can quickly come to a commercialization type of opportunity, right? And so um, an example of that would be proof, right? It is um, uh, identification and authentication of an individual as we go through the underwriting process, right? Investment for us back in the 2017 timeframe, but a big partner for us, right? As we look to ensure um, that we're identifying and authenticating who the, cons who the potential new consumer is, and minimizing fraud to the best of our abilities, right? So those kinds of opportunities um, present themselves to, um, from a lot of options in our portfolio today. Got it. And I'd love to learn more about Synchrony Ventures um, and its strategy by looking through like the investment criteria. How do, you, how do you determine what to invest in? So it is all hinged on that strategy. And I think that is why it's so unique that it sits within you know, the chief strategy officer's role. Right. And so as we lay out our strategy on an annual basis around long-term growth, we very much develop at the same time what our investment theses are for both our acquisition opportunities and our venture investing. Right. And so for us, it's very much um, our focus is very much around creating um, the leading financial ecosystem. So a two-sided ecosystem that brings our merchants and our partners together. And we do that through best-in-class technology, products, and capabilities. And so we're focused in the market that say, you know, who can accelerate that with us, right? Who can bring us products and capabilities that we can bring to our consumers, that we can bring to our merchants and partners and actually accelerate our growth, right? In addition to that, we're also looking at new areas to expand to, right? And so we are looking to go even deeper in healthcare. So we've got a very strong focus right now on what healthcare fintech investing could look like for us and how we might bring that um, into the community. Um, and then we're also looking at more disruptive ideas um, and, and how to think about things. So how should we be thinking about blockchain? How should we be thinking about other opportunities that might not be mainstay today, but are extraordinarily important to us and how we think about payments in the future. So using that frame, I'd love to hear from you um, what you're interested in investing in over the next couple of years. I think you're going to see a real thrust around um, embedded finance or continuing around embedded finance, right? And that's all about making that two-sided ecosystem work even better. Um, there's a lot of new and innovative ideas going on around where you actually present opportunities to consumers, um, how you think about the ease of use, um, how you think about multi-product presentment, how you think about um, single billing right across a, a, across a particular um, issuer or provider. And so all of those types of capabilities are front and center for us. And we're kind of testing and learning to see what the better capabilities are. Um, and we're also going much deeper on healthcare. So we are looking to dramatically grow our healthcare business and understanding opportunities that exist within payments within the different sub-verticals within healthcare, um, understanding how to bring um, a very fragmented market of multiple providers to the consumers um, is going to be critically important for us. And so we're on the lookout um, for partnerships with fintechs that can provide acceleration in both those areas. Um, are you comfortable talking about some companies in the existing portfolio that maybe point to these types of investments that you're talking about? Definitely, definitely. So. Um, I gave one example in proof. So if I look at Horizon One, 
um, prove is a very strong partner of ours. Um, another partner um, that we invested in last year uh, by the name of Skipify. Skipify actually allows you to present payment options, um, what we would call up funnel. So even while you're in your email or even while you're searching or looking at different opportunities in the, in the digital world, presenting you with what different payment options might be. So you can actually make decisions earlier as to whether or not um, there are opportunities from an affordability standpoint or two examples of Horizon One where we've invested and we're also partnering with them today at, um, uh, you know, in, in, across many of our different areas of our business. Um, going into adjacencies and looking at net new areas for us, right, or areas where we can grow, we made an investment in drop and we're also looking, and they're a rewards platform, right? So as we look to continue to strengthen the value proposition um, that our partners can offer to our consumers, we're working with Drop to actually develop new rewards and innovative ways to actually approach the rewards. Um, and then when we think about sort of net new areas and, and, and what's around that corner, um, we invested probably three years ago at this point in a company called Grabango. And that was um, a, a touch and go shopping before Amazon Go even existed, right? And so understanding what that would mean for our retailers, understanding how that might actually change the landscape um, was very important to us, right? To be an early investor, to kind of test and learn in those areas. And so we consistently look across all of those. Um, I'd also say, uh, you know, a major thrust of ours is around diversity and inclusion. And so we added in uh, 2022, the investment in four funds that are founded by diverse leaders, mm -hmm. uh, so diverse new emerging investors, and they're committed to investing in black, brown, and female entrepreneurs in the fintech and healthcare communities. Got it. Um, I'm curious how you position Trish um, Synchrony vis-a-vis -vis a lot of the upstart competition, because obviously there's been a flurry of activity in your space, and um, I think it's fair to say Synchrony was a, was a pioneer in the space. Like, what's the receptivity on on the on the business side? you know, as part of these conversations? Yeah. So I would say how we differentiate ourselves. We are a B2B2C company, right? So Synchrony founded more than 80 years ago, right? Is very much founded on um, how we serve our partners and our merchants. Uh, what you're seeing in the FinTech community is very much a D2C focus. Um, but what it's done to actually benefit all of us is it's accentuated the criticality and the importance of the consumer to the merchant and partner, right? To really create that overarching ecosystem. And so while we continue to pursue, you know, all of our, uh, you know, all of our investments are very much around serving our partners and our merchants, um, the criticality of doing that through a consumer lens, which a lot of what the FinTechs have amplified um, and done quite quickly is extraordinarily important to how we think about things. And so we've learned a lot from them on how to, uh, you know, I would, I would call us a B2B to C with a lowercase c. We, we are now in a position where we are working towards enlarging that to a uppercase c, right? And how do we really amplify the consumer part to bring the total ecosystem together? And so we're doing that through, um, you know, and differentiating ourselves, I think, through multi-product presentment, right? And so whereas we would have been 
you know, traditionally within our partners, we actually did offer multi, we, we offer them different opportunities to graduate their consumers. That's becoming even more important and even a larger differentiator, I think, between both, you know, an incumbent such as St. Green and, and, and the fintech community. You are seeing some of the fintechs move to multi-product, you know, as a, as a way of rounding out that relationship with the partner and, and the merchant. Um, but not as big a focus, right? And so I think you continue to see the differentiation on where they focus and how they think about bringing products and capabilities to market. But I think longer term, you're going to see coming more together overall for, for, for what's going to work in the marketplace. Are you also seeing some of your portfolio companies or maybe companies in the pipeline um, pivot, not just to multi-product, but also pivot to B2B? Because we're seeing that a lot as well. You are seeing, and you're seeing that in the news today, right? That, you know, what what a small business buy now, pay later look like, right? And so I think, you know, as we look at the community, that's probably potentially going to be in most need in, the, in, in potentially an upcoming recession. Um, uh, the small business community is going to need, I think, um, a, a lot of support from a payments and lending standpoint to actually ensure that their businesses remain strong through any uh, upcoming economic challenges. I guess that's part of a bigger question I have for you. Are, are you seeing in general a switch in fintech strategy given the market dynamics? Well, I think I think the strategy overall of, of switching towards profitability over growth is a big change for many of them. Yeah. Um, I think you know you're you're seeing the implications around the cost side of it, right? That they're um, needing to address, uh, and so and I think they're also understanding that um, profitability of product sets are extraordinarily important, right? And um, the different products that are in market today actually come with a very different set of economics that are lower than the traditional economics that would be in, in, in the more traditional products, right? And so the balancing of all of that, I think, is, is where you're going to start to see, quite honestly, you know, the incumbents and the fintechs kind of coming together, right, and how they're going to serve broader communities on a longer-term basis. One of the things, as you're saying that, Trish, I'm kind of struck against is, is like, the longevity that Synchrony has had versus some of the, the, the fintechs that you're partnering with, like particularly in a down cycle, like we're in, like what, what role, if any, does Synchrony play like in saying, listen, guys, we've been through this before, you know, it's, it's, it's a marathon, you know, it's a marathon. It is a marathon and, and to survive in a marathon, right. You need to have the, you know, underlying profitability, right. And stability in the infrastructure to actually, to actually continue to be able to deliver, um, to your, you know, partners in the, the consumer community, right? And so I think, uh, you know, it, it's impressive to see those that have been able to pivot to much more of that profitability focus and understanding the trade-offs you have to make between profitability and growth, um, understanding that, you know, some of the um, areas where they were, you know, actually gaining revenues, um, which are predominantly from, you know, the merchant and partner community are going to be under strain, right, in any kind of economic challenges, right? And so I think those that learn patience and, and sort of how to ride it out will survive. Um, but I, I would also expect that we're gonna see some exits right over the short term, um, just given some of those conditions and, and inability to potentially change your business model um, quickly enough to actually react to what is what is going, what is starting to happen in the market. I agree. And and so how does that dynamic, that focus uh, in the fintech community on profits, as you're describing, how has that impacted Synchrony in your work? So I think it, it allows us to have, um, quite honestly, more open conversations about 
what the future might hold, right? And so um, probably more honest, honest ones too. Honest yeah. ones, right? And and um, with valuations potentially, um, well, the valuations have come down, right? With bid ask spreads becoming more in line, um, I get it. I think you're going to see increased opportunities. Um, for us around, you know, maybe potentially starting with a partnership and ending with, you know, um, bringing some of these companies into the Synchrony family. Um, I do think it there's gonna be um, a large opportunity um, for many of the incumbents to bring and accelerate bringing these capabilities in-house um, in ways that we might not have been able to do, you know, a year and a half ago with, with just the differential and evaluations, right? It's very difficult. Um, to actually buy some of these companies, given the valuation, the lack of profits, um, the fact that they are not accretive, you know, for many years out makes it a very challenging situation for incumbents. But you're seeing those kind of coalesce and coming together in ways that can truly benefit both. Um, as, as I think many of them cannot survive as individual companies in the long term. I hear that. And I, I'm, I'm also thinking like, so if the bid ask, you know, become more aligned, um, I guess one of the other hurdles might be uh, cultural fit, like bringing one of these startups in house. Like, has your part your 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 experience undergoing so many partnerships throughout the years? Like, has how has that impacted? I guess your ability to onboard a, a company in house. Cultural fit is is very very important to us. So I'd say almost as important as the capabilities and product set that's being brought to bear, and so. Even as we go through diligence from a purely investment standpoint, we have a very strong eye towards, is this the right company for us? Is this the right founder for us? Is this the right partnership that we can actually build? Because as a strategic investor um, who would, you know, typically gets a board observer seat, we're in there uh, actually working with the companies. And it's very difficult to do if you're not actually seeing that um, allegiance, right, and and, um, and and that cultural fit. And so I would say we look at that very strongly, even from early investment days, even from our fund investing. In fact, you know, those more than others, because they were just raising funds for the first mm -hmm. time, was very much about the individuals and the fit and the beliefs and the values um, and what they thought they were going to be bringing to the market and what their um, expectations were that needed to be aligned before we ever felt that we could enter into a partnership. So it's extraordinarily important to Synchrony. We are a very values-based um, company. Um, and as a result, and, and, you know, treating people right and diversity and inclusion is just core to who we are. And without seeing that within those that we would invest in and partner, it would be very difficult for us to have a successful long-term relationship. And We've yet to, I mean, we've had three strategic exits, two of those have been through acquisition, um, but all of our other portfolio companies, you know, have, we've been, we, we, we invested and we reinvest in those mm -hmm. for so three, four, five, six years, which is an important aspect to us. Sure. And we're getting to the, near the end of our conversation. I know we've spoken about a few challenges, um, particularly for, for fintech companies. I'm curious, given your purview, Trish, like what you see as the biggest challenges coming up. I mean, for us, it's really about speed. The fintech community has totally changed expectations by both partners and consumers. So things that we might have um, invested in and, and taken our time in bringing the market from a capability standpoint 
or an improvement on a customer experience or a partner experience might've been 18 months to 24 months long. Expectations have totally shifted, right? And, and so speed is highly critical to us, which is why to me, things like strategic partnerships with the FinTechs provides just a whole new set of capabilities. Um, and the other thing we're focused on is really how do we think about one-to-many distribution, right? And so we've got a very, we've got a model that very traditionally focused on our merchants um, and our partners, right? And a lot of those were um, very large and, and, and dominant players in their markets. As you look to the small businesses, right? And, and one of the questions you asked earlier, Zach, it's extraordinarily important for us to be able to scale our model to work in a one-to-many environment and actually be able to support um, small businesses, to support the broad provider community within healthcare um, in new and different ways. And so those two areas, um, both speed and, and the one-to-many opportunities are areas of focus for us in the near term. Trish, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Thank you, Zach. It's great to be here.